Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Monday night football pending. Dave Damashek, 11 and three on the week and now 21 over against the number on the NFL season. You know what? Dave, the Halloween Scrooge is happy that it's just about to turn into Shecker season. Maybe 2023 ain't that dark just yet, Eddie Spaghetti. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus 3 presented as ever by Omaha. I'm down in the dumps. I'm trying to put a little smile on my face here. You know what? Put a smile on my face there, Eddie Spaghetti, after your Irish embarrass my Pitt Panthers. And maybe didn't just shame them on the gridiron. It was so bad it went into the locker room. And then the head coach of Pitt talked about the quality of his players. Now, I don't know if there's going to be a rebellion. I don't know if the players are going to show up to play Florida State or not. It's all a big mess. But what fills my heart with song is that you, the minus three consumer, the fan, the listener, the Czech Republic citizen, um, went and listened and watched on YouTube and or on Twitter, the 15-minute NFL pregame show. We appreciate you doing that. As I keep saying, do you need an hour-long pregame show for your football games on game day or in uh, or in the run-up to those games? Of course you don't. Do you need three hours of it? No, you don't. Do you need the foolishness, the fake laughter, and all the rest of it? No. 15 minutes, nice and tight, no hooey and applesauce. It's performing very well. Eddie Spaghetti tells me it's our best performer yet eight weeks in. We intend to continue the rise of that show. So we appreciate you there now let's uh let's talk about the weekend that was a little bit congratulations eddie spaghetti you destroyed a college football program i hope you're happy with yourself i i'm not i mean i'm not really thrilled uh more because of the macro view of notre dame season uh you thinking they would win that game in south bend was i didn't think they were gonna win that game i said 20 and a half i said plus i didn't sense your sense was i hope they'd win it um and i did cover was possible a three touchdown cover was possible but like i was saying all week offenses have played pretty poorly opposing offenses have played pretty poorly versus them uh i you started the game off with a real string of like three and outs Uh, a lot of sloppy mistakes from Notre Dame early on hartman two interceptions but luckily to the play of tyree and then the run game kind of figured it out things are back on track. It was a good game, but I mean, I think this is still the most disappointing Notre Dame season since I've been alive. Hmm. I think this team, this current team would beat any of the other Notre Dame playoff teams. I, I just think with the experience and the most, mostly great play of Sam Hartman, the running That's game, right. you could, you could rotate in four or five different running backs, the offensive line, you're going to have Joe Alt, who's going to go top five, top seven, to like the latest uh, in this upcoming draft and the defense. I mean, Xavier Watts leading the nation in interceptions. They have Benjamin Morrison didn't even play first, the Pitt Panthers, um, their top. All right. All right. My I point is, my point is what I'm saying is if they ran the ball three straight times, Versus Ohio State, they're now in the picture. They should have 100% lost to Louisville on the road. They they were awful in that game, but it's fine. I, I think teams are allowed to slip up, and like we've seen in the past, it's about who you beat, not really who you lose to. Uh, and with signature victories versus 
USC, Ohio State. Uh, I guess you can kind of sprinkle in Duke here, although Duke just lost to Louisville. Uh, Clemson's a disaster, four losses already, but still winning on the road in Clemson versus Dabo is still pretty good. So I, I think um, it's just it's hard to be happy with the Irish when this is a year that's wide open, and I'm not sure if there's a team that you're really petrified of. This is a year where there's no I Alabama. Agree. This is a year where you know a lot of quarterback turnover with Ohio State and with uh, Georgia. So I'm just very upset because make this, this bet. Who wins great. the national championship? SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten. Can I say neither? None of the three. I think Florida I State has three. Florida State is a real shot. Wow, fun bet. Go make it right now. There, Florida, Florida State's edge rushers. They're huge receivers they have who are great, and I, I, I do trust in Jordan Travis. Um, I, I think their path. They've been tested enough where I believe in them, but nothing that's gonna. Um, you know, they, they shouldn't lose a game the rest of the season. I, the well, that so. much is true. That much, if you looked at the, went back a month ago and looked at the schedules, you you figured of all the would-be, the top 10 teams that were unblemished at that point, it did look like the Seminoles had the cleanest path. And, you know, uh, no Clemson now doesn't stand as much, though. But yeah, they run the table. They're yeah. going to the the national, uh, they're, they're going to the final four there. We're going to talk about all this. With Doug Kazarian, you know him from uh, from Wagertainment on ESPN and beyond. beyond. He's now doing he's starting out on his own. We admire it. Uh, Onlyplayers.com. He's doing a daily video show that you can track down. Go to the page. You'll find it all there. He's writing about it. It's one man's opinion and it's really good stuff there. If you like to sprinkle a little something on the game. To make it more interesting for you, we're going to talk about that, whether Marv Harrison has a shot at the Heisman Trophy, who has a shot at the Natty, and then we're going to look ahead. Short week for my Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't know about Kenny Pickett. We do know Minka Fitzpatrick is not going to be available against Will Levis and company. Four touchdown passes from the Rook for the Titans. Mike Tomlin tends to have the number of rookie QBs. Number early on there is two and a half. Eddie Spaghetti, no. Steelers laying three. We don't even know who the quarterback is. We'll get his insights on that. And then also want to talk a little bit more about uh, the Irish, the state of college football. But most importantly, we want to catch up with our old pal, Kent Bryan, who uh, who grew up in Pittsburgh, PA, and his mom leaves the greatest voicemails in the history of voicemails and the history of people. You don't have to take my word for it. We've been playing these for a couple of years now on the old Damashek football program. People are fans of these things. Eddie Spaghetti, for for the newbies, give a little taste. Let's let's hear her thoughts on Woke, a voice message she left for Kent Bryan recently. Yeah, Kent, what does that Woke mean? W-O-K-E? I I always forget. What does that mean? You could just leave a message on my phone. Bye-bye. See, Spaghetti, now do you know what Woke's all about? I've learned, and she spelled it too. I wasn't sure on the spelling on that one, so (laughs) thank you. Oh, can't wait. We'll catch up with him in a little bit to to hear some new voicemails from Kent Brown's mom, Wilmer Dink. I think her focus is the three Fs, football, food, and film. She loves talking about those three things and leaving messages for her boy about them, her grown son, just her meditations um, via voicemail. So we'll hear those. Also, Kazarian, uh, like I say, coming up. The other, I mean, Spaghetti, your Giants are done. It's funny you say that this is your least favorite Irish season, and it kind of gets at what I said to you and Hench in text message on Sunday night. Your pain is over with. The Giants season is done. They've traded Leonard Williams, by the way. Mm -hmm. Trade deadline coming up, uh, the deadline of it. 
um, Halloween night. We'll see how that shakes out. I think a lot of contenders are looking around. It is very fantasy footballish, and it didn't exist a decade or 15 years ago. The idea of like, maybe we can get Patrick Sertain if we need a cornerback. Maybe we can get one of those fancy running backs who's running out the string on his one-year deal out of Vegas or otherwise. Should be interesting. I don't know if I find it satisfying. I'll let you know after I see if my team wins out in the trade deadline or not. That that will determine my feelings about that. Um, and uh, one last thing I want to say is uh, bad weekend to be wearing the number eight in the NFL if you're a quarterback. Lamar Jackson won, but not in impressive fashion. But that's nothing. Kenny Pickett injured. The officiating. I'll save all that stuff. Till Hench is here on Thursday. It turns out Eddie Spaghetti, he may have a point that the officiating stinks. I make I don't want to I don't want to blame 100 percent But as I have said to Steelers fans all season long, if you want the satisfaction of it's the offensive coordinator or it's the or it's the quarterback or it's the offensive line. And now or it's the referees. The answer is it's all of the above. And that's the most uh, troubling aspect of it if you could just identify one person and blame them and excise them great that's the issues are more severe than that and by the way as i will keep saying you must see the forest for the trees if you're down in the dumps about your football team look around who's happy with their pro football team right now dolphins fans maybe not Chiefs fans i can tell you that eagles fans yes right i think eagles fans are now feeling good um and Texans fans, because they know they have C.J. Stroud and they feel good about the future. Outside of that, who's excited, Eddie Spaghetti? Am I right? Jets fans, kind of, I guess, a little bit? I think, uh, well, yeah, Jets fans, because I guess Aaron Rodgers may come back in December and it could get them. That'll be some storyline. But I think right now this is a strange one, but I, I feel like maybe Bengals fans. I think they got ah, him the that's stretch. That's a good call. Okay. He's, he's that's a good build call. up. You know, the AFC North has some problems. You're just talking about it. Kenny Pickett's injury. They go and beat. Uh, what, I still think, and this is a hot take, I still think the 49ers are a good football team. Uh, they're just in a rough stretch right now. And it's October. It's going to be okay because no one's going to think of October come January. I agree. But, uh, but yeah, the Bengals looking pretty good. They look, they're back to form, I think. So I, I, I will believe in them again. Hey, I, you know what? I say I agree with you. I'm not concerned about the Niners as a contender. I will pat myself on the back. Told you two weeks ago, two plus weeks ago, bet the Seahawks to win the NFC West at nine to one. People laughed at it. Of course, the Niners are a juggernaut. The Seahawks are fine. They're not as good as the Niners, though. Shame the devil, Dave. That fun bet may end up paying off. And how for you there? Um, Can I just say, too, with the Seahawks, like wearing those uniforms, that throwbacks, I love that the NFL is in this new stretch where it's like the Eagles wear their Kelly Green, Seahawks wear their throwbacks. The obviously the Texans wearing, uh, sorry, the uh, the Texans, the, the Titans wear the Houston Oilers throwbacks. Like every throwback jersey, everyone's like, oh, these are the best. They should wear them. And the NFL is like, all right, one week back to your regular bad uniforms that you have. Like I, I know the uniform stuff is uh, your lane, but I just like you had the best jersey. Like every older jersey was better than the new one. So just like wear the old ones because Seattle wearing those jerseys up in that crazy stadium, the 12th man, like a, a great scene up there. Like that's like the best scene in all of football. Just go back to those old jerseys. Like I, enough with the new iterations. They're all pretty much bad. I agree with you. Now, let me add a little vinegar to the proceedings. I, of course, love the Seahawks. Now, you've you've heard me talk about that endlessly, that the Seahawks should be wearing those uniforms. And the Patriots, of course, Pat 
Patriot is mm-hmm. the better uniform than Flying Elvis. And so the list goes, the Buccaneers, uh, yeah. Buccaneer Bruce, all those. I, let me just say, because I didn't talk about it last week, the Eagles ones were good. Those are not their best uniforms. And in fact, they're their third best uniforms. The better uniforms were 1960. Michael Vick wore them in his breakout game when he joined Philly way back when. Now, that's probably a decade at least ago. And even the Ron Jaworski ones and Wilbert Montgomery and those cats who went to the Super Bowl um, in 1980 where they lost to the Raiders. Those were better uniforms, too. These are good. I mean, I, I like them better than what they're wearing. I just, right. But, but the, the swooning point. that these are the best uniforms that the Eagles wear is inaccurate. I just had to establish that. With that's that's fine. I mean, I just don't. What is it called? Midnight green. I just don't get it. And then every team now yeah, alternates right. like, oh, here's a black uniform. It's like, no, all no. right. Every team does it. We get it. No, that's two years ago. Eddie Spaghetti. White is the all white oh, yeah. is the new all black. Now yeah. it's icy white. Yeah. yeah like, what do you think? Do you love their icy whites? Like. I don't know. They look pretty much the same as everybody else's whites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they're, they're like the little trim in aqua versus the trim in blue. Like, yeah, OK, I get it. The The Dolphins look good. I mean, when everybody's doing it, it's not that great. The teams that should be accepted, grandfathered in the head to toe white helmet, jersey, pants, Penn State. I don't like Penn State, but I'm, uh, you know, sure. I'm, I'm a man of justice. Um, Texas can go all white. And then in the NFL, it's like the Colts mm-hmm. and the Cardinals. And then that's it. I'm sorry. that they, they chose. Same thing. You can't go, you can't have a black helmet and you can't have a black jersey because that's been claimed by a, by a, by a team of significance. You, you don't get to jump in and make your own. You know what? Let's stop with the uniform talk. Let's move on. I'm getting too hot here. Let's talk about some wagering with our guy right now. Doug Kazarian. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit 
visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Spaghetti. I don't know if you crossed paths with this guy over at the Super Bowl when we were down there in Phoenix. He high-hatted me. He he, he saw Damashek from across the room. He's like, I'm going the other way. I remember seeing you there. Then I got a text. I just saw you. Where'd you go? Well, I found him, everybody. From OnlyPlayers.com, his brand new wager venture. It's really good stuff. Go check it out. OnlyPlayers.com is where you see it. I'm talking about, of course, the longtime ESPN wager counselor and beyond. It's Doug Kazarian. How are you, Pally? I'm well. I, I'm, I'm I'm stunned, rattled, though, that I I, mm. I would say small-timed you uh, mm. instead of big-timed you at the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm a little sh- shook there on that. I, my apologies. My deepest apologies. No, no, no. Listen, I, I, I kid. How are you, pal? And uh, and first and foremost, muzzle tub on the on the great new site. Been pouring over it the last couple of days here in advance, really, of the football weekend. La- on Friday, I was looking through it. Really interesting stuff. I love the way um, not to uh, monologue as we jump into a back and forth here. But I really do love that you are the Victor Kayam. Remember, like the commercials, like I like these razors so much, I bought the company. I don't understand. Of course, if you are giving others counsel on the good bets to make and the bad ones to avoid, you should be doing that yourself, right? I mean, you you need the a little but, something. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing that since day one, sure. right? So, and I've tried to like wink, wink to the viewer, like this is a big one, you know, just mm-hmm. because we have betting and it's, it's totally understandable. I mean, I was doing just to take our audience back a little bit. So I did local news in Vegas from 2005 to 2012. Well, when I was out here on the local ABC affiliate, I was doing like a best bet of the night. It was Doug's quick pick. So mm-hmm. it's been ingrained in the day-to-day culture of like my sports presentation because this was prior to the Golden Knights, prior to the Raiders moving here. This was the home team that we covered on a day-to-day basis. So I interviewed bookmakers, I interviewed um, pro-, pro bettors, and I had a bunch of local content on betting. So 
but I realized were you big on? Do I remember it right that you were in the news as the four year old at preschool advising everybody to bet Randall Cunningham and the running Rebs in uh, in the Big West game? I don't even remember if UNLV is, was in the Big West. Anyway, continue. They were it was Big West back in the day. No, I I I, I just. I realized how far along I was and where I was used to an audience that really got this stuff. So as we graduated and then legalization across the country and all that stuff, a lot of the content through from betting has been presented in a very similar way as to all the other content, which in the news business call it verticals, right? So the NBA mm-hmm. vertical, the NFL vertical, fantasy vertical, but betting is so different from a day-to-day basis. If I'm hammering a you know, a whack basketball game. I want to make that like the lead story of the show um, and get into it, even if there's a World Series game going on. So I I really want to create content for the sports better. Now, obviously, you can't be completely myopic and clueless and out of touch, but I think there's a way to do it in a fun way. But let let the analysis and the simulation of an authentic better dictate the content from a day-to-day basis rather than just the sports calendar. Hey, we need a best bet. Like no one bakes bets one game every day for the same amount of money. So in order to simulate the authentic thing, I wanted to do a betting card that had all my bets, unit sizes, uh, how to like grind out a profit um, and let people sort of show people the way, if you will, on how to, and how it's with, done and- in the world. And, you know, bias is a heavy word. Eddie Spaghetti and other people will say, Dave, you're a homer. I say, no, no. A homer is, yeah, I wear it on my sleeve and always have to, you know, to the lament of some bosses over the years. It used to be at the turn of the millennium that it was a no-no. You're doing something national where you can't portray yourself as having been born in a football town or a sports town and having vibed to that team growing up. You're just supposed to be have arrived on national TV or national radio or otherwise wearing the Rob Lowe NFL ball cap without any rooting interest. Of course, in reality... I can't imagine anybody who doesn't have a rooting interest. If you didn't play in the NFL, you vibe to a team somewhere along the way. And that's how you got in. And so steering away from that, now you're going the extra level. And so do I, I call myself everybody's gambling pal. I don't, I would not bet. And I'm sure you'll think maybe, or maybe you won't, maybe a little petulant on my part, a little childlike. I'm not couldn't put anything heavy on the Baltimore Ravens to do something good. And one thing's for sure. I'm not going to bet against any of my teams because I don't like the jive that people do with the man in the mirror about like, well, at least I made something off my team losing. No, no. Shame shame the the devil. I don't care for it. How say you on that? Yeah. The emotional hedge. I've I'm sort of desensitized with all these years of gambling. Of course. Because I argue that maybe you should be betting on games involving your team, not for because you know them so well, right? You live and breathe this stuff. So you should be betting in a way on your games involving your team. And I, you know, I grew up a Laker fan in the heart of LA. So Dodgers, Lakers, Kings, all that stuff, USC football. I have, I'm so decent. I've got enough championships and things like that. I will fire against the Lakers. I, no, no, I'll stay. Here's what I'll do. I will tell you either way how I feel and I'll be pretty accurate. Probably yeah. even more with my team than any other to your point. That's my point. I told everybody Jacksonville was going to win that game. In Pittsburgh, and I said I comfortably said I know that they're a favorite. I you don't like it, Steelers fans, but the Jags are going to cover. And so they did. 
I just wouldn't put my actual money on it. That's my line. But I think we're speaking the That's same fair. language. Okay. You're, you're, so, a fan, you're a purist fan. Like you're a fan of the core. I can make money off of them when I think they're going to win. And then I will make money. And then it's a double down. See, my team won. And, and guess who else won? Dave Damashek's pocket. That's who. Um, okay. Let's talk college football quickly. I want to, uh, you know, take advantage of, of you while we got you here. And let's start with some Heisman stuff. All of a sudden, it's gotten sideways there. If you would have looked at this roughly a fortnight ago, after the Oregon game, Michael Penix was a runaway um, winner of the Heisman Trophy. Now, it's a big mess. How say you? We got Penix at plus 275 at last, che- at last check. J.J. McCarthy, I have a, a, bit, a larger question about his team coming up for you right behind him at 3-1. to Jaden Daniels at, uh, what, uh, plus 450, and so it goes. And then there's a cutoff line, I think. The big shocker is Marvin Harrison starting to rise up. There's a narrative there emerging best player in the country forget position and and really you do wonder if talking about being a human being behind the wager kind of what we're getting at here you know we talked about um with with uh, a hockey guy josh yoey in advance of the drop of the puck this season and he and he's a a um heart trophy mvp voter and he said you know People get tired, and I can tell you as one of the voters, get tired of always voting for the same guy, even if you know he is the best in the sport. There could be a vibe to it's funny to me that maybe this that effect could take place. Like we can't just keep making it a quarterback because that's my, you know, who's the best player? Is it Marv Harrison Jr.? Maybe there's some momentum there. I think the crazy thing too is the odds you could have gotten in advance of the season that Caleb Williams wouldn't even make it to New York city. And it seems certain he ain't going right. to get there. So how say you, I'm sorry after that long wind up, how no, say I, you I where we, we are did this a month ago or three weeks ago, or even a week ago. Cause I'm big. I was big on Bo Nix the, the night that they lost to Washington. People, huh. the, the Heisman trophy market is so reactionary and you have to be predictive. And there's no market that's more fickle than the Heisman trophy market hmm. over the last handful of years. A guy, Trevor Lawrence was odds on, Saquon Barkley was odds on favorite, which means less than even money in October. No winners. The Penix, I bet him plus money that he would not win the Heisman the week he was minus money. So wow. let's not live in the glory years because he still could win. Let's talk about where's the value now. So Jaden, there's two paths to the Heisman. One is the quarterback of an undefeated team that's in the playoff and puts up good numbers. So it's like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, something like that. Or there's the gaudy stats guy who of a team that has like two or three losses that didn't that's not in the national championship discussion, like Caleb Williams last year, Lamar Jackson, uh, RG3, something like that. So we could see the gaudy stat guy, and that's Jaden Daniels. That's the one guy that's sort of still resonating to me. And I would not bet him at all because if he loses to Alabama or to Georgia in the SEC title game, I don't think he wins unless it's like an epic shootout and he played great or whatever like that to Georgia. And you can get LSU at six to one to win the SEC. So I wouldn't even look at Jaden. Also, out. isn't it kind of true with, um, you know, people love to do and I'm talking about narratives and feel good stories. And I, I made a case three weeks ago. Obviously, that's been scuttled since. But Drake May is held to a lower standard because of the program he's a part of. He could lose two or three games and wouldn't get dinged. Like I, it's very hard for me to make a case that LSU could have a Heisman winner when the team overall is the disappointment they are. You know what I mean, right? You have a, right, but we just saw Caleb Williams win it with a two loss USC that didn't go to the playoff. It's so much of it is who you're competing against. 
if that particular year doesn't have the right guy. So look at the top teams right now. You have Ohio State quarterback's not going to win. We talked, you, you know, you mentioned Harrison. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's in the mix. Um, Michigan's quarterback is like one of the favorites, but he could also have a pedestrian game and lose that even if they run the table. I feel I like mean, that's part- the standard I'm talking about. J- Michigan loses one time. It's like, well, that's it for JJ McCarthy. He's at, you know, right? right. But he's not a guy who's just filling up the stats. If he had stats like Jaden Daniels did, he'd still be in the mix with one loss. I think, I don't think McCarthy has any shot to win it. Hmm. Now, I also said lost a boatload on Mac Jones against Devontae Smith. But so that's the, so consider the source, I guess. But I don't think McCarthy should is going to win it. I think it's going to be one of these other quarterbacks with ridiculous stats because McCarthy, because Michigan's winning with defense. All right. You like to put your money where your mouth is. Give us your best bet there. So at the current odds, I would probably bet Carson Beck at 30 to one, just a small sprinkle. Hmm. He could backdoor his way into this. If he has a big game this month, again, a couple games, and then he has a great game against, let's say, Alabama in the SEC title game, and Penix loses, and there's some West Coast bias against Oregon with Bo Nix, and Jordan Travis isn't incredibly flashy, and let's say Ohio State and Michigan look sort of pedestrian. I think Carson Beck at 30-1. to I wouldn't bet him at 20-1. to So we're talking that kind of stuff right now because, to your point earlier, there's five guys, eight to one or, or shorter odds. And that's not usually the case. There was value elsewhere when guys like Penix were less than even money or Caleb Williams. It was like there was value everywhere on the board because of those guys were skewing the numbers and sort of so everything. So I'm I think Marvin Harrison's going to be in this discussion at 12 to one. So even at 12 to one, hmm. I probably recommend buying it. I got a piece at 25 to one. I didn't get the 50 to one or 60 to one. But I, you start to see this unfolding a certain way. I think Bo Nix is right there. I mean, think about it. the only loss wasn't his fault. The kicker missed it to go to overtime. It was on the road. They lost by three. They have a chance to beat him later. He's been playing great. Um, I think Bo Nix is right there, and they're like plus one eighty to win the Pac twelve. So why can't eight to one be a good price? That makes sense. And if they right run there. the. I mean, how that Pac-12 resolves itself with the head-to-head still upcoming, obviously, being in the Big Ten um, as well. So let's stay with with Michigan, Ohio State, and all that conversation, J.J. McCarthy and the Buckeyes and everything else. It seems to me that I know it's a pessimist play, it's a cynical play and all that, but with the mess going on up in Ann Arbor right now, and I don't know how that's going to resolve itself before – you know, Big Ten championship and and Final Four season and all that. But Bulldogs at plus 270. I think Florida State has the cleanest path of all the contenders. It's it, I, I don't see Absolutely. where the loss is coming for the Seminoles there. They're plus 550, and the Buckeyes are 7-1. to one. First of all, Ohio State to win the Big Ten, plus 140 seems like it's a worthwhile play. But looking bigger, pick any of those teams that I just mentioned there. Aren't they a good bet because – those odds are gonna are gonna drop significantly if Jim Harbaugh loses his gig. And by the way, maybe he doesn't even have to get fired. These are nineteen year old kids. The thing in the what, what's going on in the locker room questions from media and on campus and everything else doesn't add up to to again pessimistic glass half empty kind of stuff. If you're a, a Michigan fan, but like they're not gonna run the table. This is the year. If you ever thought Ohio State was gonna get Michigan, this is the year for them to do it. I mean, well, I mean, they're going to do it again. I'm sorry for Ohio. I said that backwards for Ohio State to get Michigan. I should say this is the year they're going to do it. So it's a very astute 
observation because there will be a domino effect. And that's how you have to look at futures all the time, right? You have to look at what happens if this happens in the domino effect. So you mentioned like Florida State, just a backtrackle. I mean, they're minus three something to win the ACC. So yeah, they're going to the playoff. They're like, you can book them in a lot of ways. So for this Michigan, Ohio State, the game's at the big house and Ohio State has looked fine, but there are question marks and obviously Michigan's look dominant. But to your point, if they don't have hardball, if something happens or the kids are so distracted and things along those lines, what's the domino effect? But like, I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State became like the favorite if they beat Michigan with or without hardball, right? Like that weekend, Georgia could sort of look lukewarm. I mean, Georgia hasn't, I think he's only covered once. Oh, uh, no, they covered Kentucky. So they've covered only two games. So they've been, pl- you know, playing with their food, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, a lot. So there could be some, you know, I think the right term is from economics class is elasticity or volatility. There's there's a lot of volatility in these futures. Even in November, things can change drastically. I'll, I'll say this. You can get a good value elsewhere because I want to say this is the first year in the college football playoff era where there's more than a couple teams that have a chance. So we had in the era teams that get there and everyone's like, oh, the playoff is going to give the little guy a chance. It actually worsened their chance because teams that got to the playoff now had to beat like two quality teams instead of one in the one versus two BCS era. So when Washington went to the college football playoff, no shot, no shot against Bama. I think they scored three points on the opening drive and then nothing. Michigan State shut out by Bama. Uh, Notre Dame against Clemson, no chance at all. Last year, you know, TCU had to win two games like that, right? And then they beat Michigan and then no chance against Georgia got waxed. But I actually think five, six teams could win it all. And it's two part. One, they're pretty good. Like the, they're not little engines that could, they get to the playoff. But then also like the top team is not just like mm-hmm. eons away from everyone else. So the domino effect of Michigan is drastic if like Harbaugh got suspended or whatever, but it's not as much in, as in previous years where Michigan in this example would be one of two or three teams that really could win it. They're one of like seven or eight teams that could win. I mean, we saw Texas beat Alabama, right? And Bama's got shorter odds right now than Texas. Some of that is a Ewers injury, but Alabama and Alabama is better now than they were when they played Texas. But all these teams are pretty competent and Georgia slash Michigan are not, you know, eons ahead of everyone else. I felt bad for Milrow. I'm glad that he found his footing apparently yeah, here. Me too. Um, by the way, see, empaths, you and me. The um, I, I also happen to think as much as I've touted uh, the Pac-12 as the best conference in college football this year, at the high end, those are the teams, obviously, they're going to get to the final four. I think a good uh, little side play is Big Ten to win the national championship. Hmm. Right. I mean, Michigan or Ohio State, one of those two's getting there, maybe both. You can kind of create a, a path where they both wind up getting to that game. Obviously, you have a 50-50 coin flip, um, more or less, without if you don't uh, look too closely at it, that, that that might be an interesting play as well. OK, let's talk some. Yeah, I mean, the big question is how good is Georgia, right? They're two time defending champ. They've looked human, but are they just playing the long game? Are They're, they're not as dominant as they were last year because they don't have you know, a quarterback that's been there a while. We know Bowers is going to be a hundred percent. That's the big question. We don't really know how good George is. We'll know in the next month. Okay. 
Let's uh, let's turn our gaze to Sundays then, or should I say Thursday upcoming game? We're not going to have a chance to pick it before it kicks off later in the week. So let's do it with Kazarian right now. Titans, Steelers, home team playing three. We don't even know who their quarterback is. We do know Will Levis is going to be under center or in shotgun for the visitors from Nashville, Tennessee. Total on this one, a gaudy 36 in honor of the bus, I'm assuming. How say you, Kazarian? Uh, I, I would have to grab the three points. So in, in the NFL, so much is about key numbers. And that's the terms we hear. It's because of the units of scoring in the game of football, seven and three, there are certain numbers in odds making that are just more valuable than everything else. So the most common margin of victory in the NFL is three. And it's about 15% of games are decided by exactly three since the extra point distance moved back a handful of years ago. I think it was 2016. So knowing that three, so it's all about the number three. So they go from three to two and a half. I mean, it's just so valuable because if you break up like a pie chart or a bell curve to get super nerdy, all the possible outcomes of this matchup, if you simulate these two teams 10,000 times, you just get such a larger sliver of the pie if you get the three instead of the two and a half. So, and... Odds makers hate this kind of situation. Unknowns with quarterbacks, they want both teams at full strength. Ravens, Steelers, Sunday night, give you the two and a half, three point spread and let the chips fall where they may. They don't want variance. They don't want unknowns of Will Levis. They don't want unknowns of the Pittsburgh situation. Like they don't want any of this because the information is not there. That's why they have lower limits, meaning the most, the, the largest amount of money they'll take on a game. In preseason, they don't really know how long some quarterback's going to play. They don't know the depth chart of all these teams, so they take lower max bets. They want both teams at full strength because their power ratings that dictate the point spread are are, are tight, are like pretty accurate. But when there's quarterback changes and wild things like this, they don't know what to do. Now, some would argue the betters don't, but at least the house, the odds makers feel vulnerable. So I do like the Titans at plus three. I think they're well coached. Obviously, Pittsburgh is too. But I would take the full three points. And to your point about the 36, the bus, plus three matters more when there's fewer points expected versus like a shootout, right? You have So when points are at a premium, like they are with an over-under 36 and a half, I'd rather take the plus full three. That's very valuable to me. And the Titans looked pretty good last weekend with Les. Wow. I mean, if you if you haven't picked up what I say uh, a million times, I'll tell it to you for the million and first. Mike Tomlin, it is not an accident. Once every game to end 12 to 11. That yes. is his goal. So you need to understand that and bake that in when it's like their, their games are so ugly. Yeah, that's by design, whether you like it or not. That's what he wants to do. Uh I don't know if this is a question for you, or maybe I need to put up the bet signal to uh, to the godfather, Chris Andrews over there in Vegas. But I feel like this is a pretty damning indictment of Kenny Pickett. I don't know that, and it extends beyond just Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. I think it also includes Mason Rudolph, who it would not stun me oh. if they roll. Ro- Let me tell you something. <laughs> He's the better option. No. He doesn't have the legs of Trubisky. And word, word me, word, word me in charge of the short week. What are the Steelers going to do here? This is going to go up, according to Mike Tomlin, on Monday morning. 
this is going to go up to game time. Who's going to start a quarterback? I don't know who he's going to run out there. My guess would be is would be Trubisky, obviously. But in my in, in my well, were I to do it, I would just run a ton of boot action, roll the pocket for Trubisky. He's better there at least, and especially if he's going to use his legs like he did on Sunday. Um, but you know, you want to you you, you want to strike downfield and take advantage of those pass catchers you have the best on the roster, including Pickett, may be Mason Rudolph for that one particular thing. I don't think it's going to be real. But the damning thing is, I don't know that any of the three move the line in any direction, right? Why are the Steelers even giving three here? I assume it's because Tomlin tends to take care of rookie QBs. I would agree with you. This line does look kind of funny. Now, there's more juice on the Titans. I think we'll see a move this week. If I know the market at all, I think we'll see a move this week, go to two Hmm. and a half. But to your point... I am. I don't think it's going to move much. I think whatever uncertainty is there is already baked into the number, and whatever decision is made is not going to change it much. Maybe some juice here and there, but three being the value. That's why I always kind of like snicker at these. Oh, so and so is worth five points to the spread. You can't make that blanket statement. Now it's within context, right? It's. It's if this it's you don't just do simple math with this stuff. Three is so valuable, like I was saying. So I think it's I think it'll go to two and a half. And then here's another thing. There'll be some head what's called a head fake. So for these Thursday night games, some guys in the market will bet a certain side. The guys whose whose accounts are flagged to the, the odds makers respect. So they'll bet one way and the market will move. But sometimes they manipulate the market because the limits are so low, it only cost them like a $5,000 bet or $3,000 bet to move the market to where they can get it and come game day on Thursday, they can come over the top and bet the other side. So I'll tell you Thursday afternoon, like where the sharp money is, right? So we'll see the market move in the next couple of days, but it could be just a head fake. So the Lions, when they played the Packers and they were short favorites at one and a half, at open pick, I wanna say. So Lions got early money, and then sometimes they'll come back the other way and people just wanted plus money on the other side that they really want to come over the top. But that didn't happen. So I knew like the Lions were the sharp side Thursday afternoon. So hmm. that doesn't mean it's going to win. It just means like where the money, sure. where the money's coming in. So I would be to your point. I don't think de- uh, a difference between Rudolph and Trubisky. I think Trubisky's ceiling is higher, but Rudolph's floor is higher than Trubisky's. Um, so I think it's a larger variant. Like you know what you're getting with with Mason Rudolph, and there's not much wiggle room there. But like Trubisky could be all over the place. Well, the variable to the twelve eleven point I made earlier is one thing you can't have, along with terrible officiating, is turnovers, Incl- especially multiple yeah. turnovers from the QB. That will corrupt your your best laid plans there. Um, okay, great stuff on that one. Last question for you then. Frankfurt, Germany is the scene mm. for perhaps the most significant AFC game we're going to see all season here. The uh, the high rising greatest show on surf Miami Dolphins Dave's pick since last year to be a, a huge factor in the AFC. Now, plus three against the Chiefs, the Chiefs. It's funny the talk about a trend. They had been winning and covering in 2023, something they didn't do last year. Then the Broncos got them um, on Sunday. So where are you on this one? 
one and two, how sick is the NFL that they put that game in retrospect in Frankfurt when most uh, Americans are just going to be waking up? Will they? I think actually, so nine thirty yeah, that works. People will wake yeah. up and get to see at least the second half on on the West Coast. For us, we have to set the alarm to see that one. Yeah, I kind of like that. There's at least no home field advantage. That's the one thing I do like. Maybe they should have put it in Vegas or something like that. But I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. Two and a half for the Chiefs. I'm sorry, and, and the total yeah. fifty and a half run. Don't walk to bet the over, right? I think so. That's what I was going to say. I, I lean to the dolphins, the mammals, not the fish. I would lean to the mammals here, but I do like the over fifty-one. And obviously, that is dangerous territory given how the how that's the totals have gone this year. Around sixty percent clip have all been unders. Although we did see uh, the over go eight and six on Sunday. I like the over. I think this Dolphins team is awesome, and everyone's criticizing them. Um, because they've gotten, you know, it handed to them by the two best teams they faced, but it's been at Buffalo and at Philly. And that Philly game, they were kind of in it. They, uh, they just had, were. They were. They were destroyed. I mean, that that one, I don't think you win. can take anything from that game. They weren't going to win, so, but they they were like they were not manhandled like the Bills game. But they also went into LA in Week One and won a shootout at the Chargers. Like I think that that's something to be said about this. I think they're going to be right there with the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a track meet. I don't think they're going to get hmm. manhandled by the Chiefs like they did Philly. Philly won that in the trenches that game. I uh, I don't think that's going to happen with KC. I think Mahomes, if you you know we, the reports were that he wasn't feeling well, all that stuff. I think we're going to see an up and down game. Miami's defense is not very impressive, so I think Mahomes will light them up, and I think this will feel like the game we saw a couple weeks ago at Arrowhead with the Chargers going in there. I think 51 does feel low. I thought this would be more in the 53 and a half range, 54. The mirage of, of um, you know, if this team could ever get healthy, then look out. Obviously, no one's ever going to get 100% healthy at this point in the season. I'm going to say it, though. If they could get Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb and now with Jalen Ramsey ready to roll on one side and get Taron Armstead locked in and healthy at left tackle, I mean, I, I or some combo of those pieces, I really think this team's, you know, high end is is a Super Bowl visit. I think the Bungles are going to have announced themselves as doing their usual. This is going to be their bit now, I guess. We should, going forward, we should always just bet early season against uh, Cincy because they <laughs> apparently don't care. I mean, I really think that's their message. Like, nah, so what? It's a Joe Burrow makes that clear. Like, ah, come on, it's September. We'll, <laughs> we'll get ready in Thanksgiving. Maybe Halloween, we'll start try to, trying a little bit. Um, but... I, I think this Dolphins, if they can get team can get right, that defense, we haven't seen its best yet. I wonder if we see Jalen Ramsey on Travis Kelsey and therefore depressing those Chiefs numbers a little bit offensively because they really don't have a 1A. You take away Travis Kelsey, which you can't. You slow him down. That that becomes a very mortal Chiefs offense. Sure. La last question I have for you is, Spaghetti, uh, our producer there behind the glass, has pointed this one out to me. And there are once in a while you see teams just so bad, like the, the like the o Oakland Athletics early this season. The Pirates, I'm sad to say, satisfied this a couple of years ago. How long should we just blindly bet against the San Jose Sharks before it <laughs> loses any value in doing it? and Or we we get really beaten up badly for having done it. So it's a good question because I was fading the Oakland A's earlier this baseball season because my a good friend of mine calls me the betting bully because mm -hmm. I'm not afraid just to find that team and just be like, well, the market hasn't adjusted enough. 
So Call your, no, no, no. Your new name should be the Tom Brady then. Cause that's what he did. Like he was mean, like that guy can't cover. I'm just going to keep throwing it at him until they do something to stop us. Like you're t- but that man, you know, that, that, that guy, he's probably got a family at home. You're embarrassing him, Tom. You're supposed to be a good guy. So that's what, uh, that's what Kazarian is apparently. Yeah. I mean, if they're not going to change things, why, why should you have to change? So the power ratings, everyone has their own power rating, meaning pro batters and odds makers. And so much of power ratings uses stats from last year. And then as like a baseline, as like a stat or whatever part. Now, everyone differs in terms of what, which particular stats they prioritize and then how much of last year's stats. But even now, like midseason in the NFL, people, these guys use last year's stats as a baseline. Unless that's why Colorado was so hard to figure out early on, because they had so many transfers. And that obviously last year's stats, new coach, new culture, new everything, new roster, really kind of confused uh, a lot of the, the, the market. So when it's early in the season, like the NHL and teams are bad, they're so programmed with parity or like things along those lines that when you have an outlier situation, like Oakland A's the first couple months this year, or the Baltimore Orioles a couple years ago, or these the, the Cleveland Browns when they went winless with the Hugh Jackson as their court as their coach. Like there is value early if you're ahead of the market. Just mm-hmm. like the market didn't catch up to Mahomes his first year as a starter, he was ridiculous offensively, and no one and he was so much ahead of the pack. Like the market didn't adjust for this phenom, and he had to be a ridiculous phenom, a generational quarterback for the market not to be right. So if you see something like a team that just can't win or whatever, then I think you can pounce early in the season. Eventually the market will always correct itself. Like we were talking a second ago about overs and unders. It's what 61%, whatever it is at the end of the year, it's not going to be 61% right. unders. So either the market's going to adjust NFL scoring is going to adjust, but we saw two games on Sunday where probably early in the season, they would have been overs, but, or they would have been unders, but instead they were overs like a couple games that landed a couple points over a low under under like the C- uh, one game was 39 and a half and landed 44, something like that. So if the sharks are that bad and you know, they're winless through nine games, like the market eventually will tax you for betting against them because they're sick sure. of getting their head beat in. And if you're just going to keep, you know, the bookies don't like bookmakers don't like getting the losing money every night, but they'll take it for a while. So until proven otherwise, yeah. I'll keep, well, here's the other one. The, the plus a goal and a half. Hmm. Start getting real, start getting real wild, real wild yins with the with the plus two and a half goals. Then you're really living. When you're really, when you're really stacking, this team sucks so bad, they're not gonna come within three goals of anybody. See how long you can ride that one. Then the don't pass bet to make that's kind of we're getting to a place is CMC not scoring a touchdown. This is a crazy run that I don't think we're celebrating enough. Spaghetti mentioned it on the 15-minute pregame show last week. Good on him to call that one. It's a bet I guess you should ride, but if you're a curmudgeon like Kazarian, the Tom Brady of wagering, that might be one to look. Don't pass or don't score, CMC. That's one for you. I'm looking at, well, we'll look for your word on Thursday once we know if it's eight or Rudolph, or Trubisky, yeah. or if it matters at all against Will Levis and the Titans. Great insights, Kazarian. All the best to you, pal. Onlyplayers.com. Check it out. This is a guy who isn't doing it from a di- an icy distance now. He is involved. Right. So wait. 
Tom Brady, Victor Kayim. I wish I had another Patriots reference ready to roll here, but I can't come up with one right now. We'll do that the next time. In the meantime, thanks for all the time today, pal. Thank you. It was good to connect, man. And now a quick break. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Eddie Spaghetti, there he goes. A lot of good stuff. Anything stand out to you? He didn't even mention Notre Dame once. I don't think they have a chance at the at the final four. Well, that was my whole, that's my, the, the crux of why I think this is the most disappointing season in the history of Notre Dame football. Um, so I think, like, yeah, he doesn't have to bring them up. I do think his Heisman talk is uh, very interesting to even say Carson Beck. Like, I'm not to try to poo-poo the, the gentleman playing quarterback for Georgia, who probably still is the best team in the country, but like, when, at what point in this season have we been like Carson Beck? That's your Heisman. Like, what if you had to win a single college football game, you're not picking Carson Beck to be your guy. And again, he maybe three years from now, he's phenomenal. We don't know. I'm talking about right now. I understand like Caleb Williams went from being a, a, a minus like what 175, whatever it was, to win the Heisman. And then now he's has worse odds than like Sam Harmon. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, he has no chance, Caleb Williams, right. at this point. And, and that's that to me is like why this award is kind of strange this year. So, Maybe what you said is right. Like, just don't give it to a quarterback. Give it to somebody else. All right, you're in a bad mood now, and your team won. I'm in a bad mood because all my teams lost. It's really shameful. Um, All right, let's let's lighten it up here. Let's catch up with our pal, maybe. You know what? With the doctor. Dr. Kent Brown's mom is here with her voice messages to perk everybody up. Get ready here. All right, I already know this is going to be good because we love talking to this guy. Longtime listeners of the Damashek football program know the name Kent Brown because he's a delightful fella. So, too. Well, his mom's not a delightful fella, but she's a delightful woman. And we know that from her voicemails. Want to listen to those. Also, Kent Brown is a savant. He can tell you pretty much where every college kid went to high school across football America. It's a fascinating thing. We definitely have to dig in on on that as we move forward here on minus three. But today, I do want to focus a little bit on some of these voicemails. Kent just uprooted himself after many moons here in Southern California to go back to the banks of the Three Rivers. Quite frankly, I'm a little bit jealous. Kent Brown, how are you, Pally? I know... I say I'm jealous, but I wouldn't want any more awareness of the state of Pittsburgh sports. And I'm already getting out here uh, 2,300 miles away. How you doing there, Pally? 
Well, I'm doing well. I played some goalie growing up and the way Jari's been playing, I figure I might have a shot to be the Penguins net minder in a few weeks if this keeps up. So, you know, I'm trying to work towards that potentially. I'm close enough to the facility that if he, if he allows four or five goals every game, eventually I might get that call. I'm cheaper than Jari. So at least on that level, the Penguins can invest in some other players, hopefully. But uh, it's been fun. It's been good to be back. Gallows home. humor. I see. That's <laughs> a, you, you have to laugh your way through the pain. I, I I hear you. Now, the thing that vexes me and always has, you're a Pittsburgher. But watching the game on Saturday in South Bend, you were rooting for the Irish. Shame on you. Well, I grew and up. Congratulations. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. It's funny. The first ever Notre Dame pit game I went to was in the 90s and Notre Dame beat Pitt 60 to 6 and I never thought I would see a game like that again and then this weekend I had a lot of friends that went to the game and it was 58 to 7 so it was basically the same score that was Lou Holtz's final year in South Bend so uh yeah needless to say it didn't go over well for Narduzzi and uh Jacob Well I do want to hear what you think about that by the way it's funny you, you mentioned 60 to 6 cuz the game that that one on Saturday evoked for me was my friend David Gefsky and I met up in South Bend. I was at Indiana University and he was Northwestern. And I can't remember if it was 88 or 89, but we met up there um, and Pitt scored early. I think Curtis Bray, the the big time recruit for the Pitt Panthers at the time, I think he's passed away since, which is obviously sad. He, I think, had an interception early. He came to the sideline. We were sitting right next to it. He gave us, but we were like, Bray! And he gave us a fist pump and we're like, this is our day! And from then on, it was all Irish. And I think the final was something like 50 to three or 50 to six. I remember Rocket Ishmael had at least one touchdown in that one. Anyway, dark stuff, but even darker because Narduzzi goes into the locker room. I want to talk to the boots on the ground here. Can you recall, goes into the, into the locker room, gets on a microphone and, and, and announces, I thought we had replenished our roster pretty good in the off season, but I guess I didn't, we don't have good enough players. Basically, I guess first question is, do you sense from where you sit there on the banks of the three rivers that, Pitt's not going to try to get out from under that contract because before this game, I think you could make a case that like Michigan state's probably looking at this guy. And if things don't work out for Jim Harbaugh, he might be a candidate for the job in Ann Arbor. How say you? Yeah, I would think he probably gets another year. I mean, obviously a couple of years ago, they won the ACC championship. That's probably the peak of what Pitt will be. I don't think you could expect any more than like an ACC championship, maybe once a decade. Now that was Kenny Pickett. That was Jordan Addison. Those guys clearly were first round picks for a reason, but I think Doozy gets one more year. The other thing too is, as you said, there's not a surefire home run guy that's going to replace him that you know will make the program better instantly. I look at a Pitt also, you look at the ACC right now, the ACC is in a little bit of flux, but it's still a solid conference. Pitt's not going anywhere anytime soon. So it's not like if Narduzzi has one more bad year, they can't move on from him next year. So I would be surprised if they cut bait. Now, if they go two and ten. Well, wait, 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 wait. Here, here's crazy. the pushback on that. Devil's Damashek to your thought is, I mean, the Pitt players on social media, and it was organized, it felt like, at some at some player level in the locker room because they were coming fast and furious as a tweet went out from our guy Noah uh, um, Hiles quoted partially what Narduzzi had said, 
And the players were all over like, oh, my God, this hurts my feelings and what a world and so on and so forth. I mean, are we sure that I, I'm not jiving? Are we sure the pit players are definitely going to take the field? I mean, I, I, I the the threat is, hey, your scholarship is tied to this guy. But still, um, I, you know, it really sounded like they were about ready to transfer out after that game. And I mean, I, I, I can't really see if you're the pit administration really being excited about any kid being willing to come to a program where the coach just said that that's a bad and yet kids are going to line up to play to for Deion Sanders in Colorado who basically said the same thing what 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 what's 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 the reason for this uh play psychiatrist here for us would you Kent Brian well remember Dion according to Dion remember he didn't know who Pat Narduzzi was in the offseason when Narduzzi made some shots to him interesting so, so so hopefully he knows he doesn't know who any of his players are to steal them although Pitt's problem in this game their offensive line was in shambles. They played a true freshman who had like 20 snaps, another kid who had about four snaps. Those kids are going to want to play. At the end of the day, as you said, you might get a few players. You might get Hammond. You might get a few other players that are, you know, upperclassmen that might be a little bit like one foot out the door come December. But the young players, the freshmen, the sophomores, the backups, those guys are happy to step in and play this weekend if Hammond and the rest of the guys don't want to. And then you look at the quarterback, like Vier wants to play. Where else is he going to play? If it's not a pit, he's not going to another power five school and starting anywhere. It doesn't appear. So look, 58 to seven, the kids already feel bad. Then the coach makes the comments. They're going to feel worse. But once it hits midweek, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday. They're preparing for Florida state this week, which, wow. How about that? You play Notre Dame. You could lose by 51, and then your reward the following week is a top five Florida State team with a Jordan Travis Heisman candidate. They're going to want to show up and try to do something at home. But uh, yeah, I think in the offseason, you'll probably see some players leave. But that's the nature of college football now. Even the good teams lose 10, 15 players in the transfer portal. So the bad teams are also going to lose probably more than that. But I don't think it really affects them come like Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. Sam Hartman. Where did he go to high school? Where's he from? Sam Hartman's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, right. he's a Charlotte area kid. Um, he's going to be out there and uh, playing out the rest of the season. I feel bad for Irish fans. Well, no, I hate the Irish. They're in my top 10 most hated teams in sports, and it made me sick to watch that one. Um, but obviously, and uh, as I said, glad the old man wasn't there to see it because it would have killed him. Um <laughs> The um, the uh, Irish, though, it's 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 a bummer for them. I know Eddie Spaghetti uh, and you probably feel the same as he does, which is that, you know, dang it, man. The the entire college football landscape. Think how different it is if they just run three plays, run the ball three plays against Ohio State. The Buckeyes are on life support at best right now. And the Irish are probably tracking towards the playoff with still plenty of big games left to go there. All right, listen, here's what I really want to talk to you about. I want to hear more, not from Kent Brown, but from Kent Brown's mom in Wilmerding, PA, Eddie Spaghetti. Let's play another voicemail here. Really, I want this to be a, an ongoing segment. We used to love to do this on the Damashek football program with you and Matt Money Smith and handsome Hank Hodgson. And we were all delighted by your mom's insights. On sports, food, and film. Football, food, film. The three Fs. The three keys to life. 
according to Kent Brown's mom, Eddie Spaghetti. Let's hear her thoughts on pierogies. Hey, the last time I bought pierogies, um, I got the Mrs. T's pierogies, garlic and Parmesan. Mm. Never had these, so I'm boiling, I'm boiling them now. Yeah, Parmesan cheese and creamy whipped potatoes. I can't wait to try these. Mrs. T's garlic and Parmesan. I think they're new. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw them and I grabbed them the last time. All right, I'll let you know if I liked them. Bye-bye. <laughs> grabbed them. <laughs> that was fascinating. What about, did, did we get the call back, the review? Oh, yeah. yeah. She she was a big fan. I mean, ultimately, our family. You, know, you picked up that. the phone for that yeah. one. The hotline, you didn't let it go to voicemail. You had to hear like, so? Thumbs exactly. up or thumbs down, mom? Right? I know. In a perfect world, I would never answer any of her calls. And everything would be a voicemail relationship where like my mom leaves me a voicemail on top of a voicemail. But I feel like one out of four I need to answer. And that was one I definitely needed to answer. So, yeah, she was a okay. big fan. I mean, Good. how could they how could you go wrong with those? I th- what do they call that grassroots uh, marketing we just did for <laughs> Mrs. T's pierogies uh, per Kent Brown's mom? Maybe we could get her a sponsorship and then that would warrant you always 100 percent of the time letting it go to voicemail. Now, let's spread our wings a little bit with another one. Her thoughts on Bradley Cooper make a con- making a controversial choice to play Leonard Bernstein in an upcoming movie. Let's take a listen to that one. Hey, Entertainment Tonight just showed Bradley Cooper. He's going to be playing Leonard Bernstein, that composer. Remember, he did the West Side Story way back in the day. He has like a prosthetic nose and he has wigs on. And then it said he lived a double life. So he must have been gay and married. I don't know. I didn't know that part about him. All right. Call me later. Bye-bye. Are we sure with all respect to your mom? She understands that Bradley Cooper is wearing a prosthetic nose, but Leonard Bernstein's nose was authentic. I felt like she was a little, she's like, he wears a prosthetic prosthetic nose and is gay. But like, I think the composer was one of those things and, and, and Cooper was in the prosthetic nose. I think so. I mean, we might have to come uh, go back to that one. Come, yeah. Come like award season, we might have to bring her on to sort of make sure that she knows the Len- like the whole Bernstein story at that point. But for I now, love that. Yeah. Get her get her Oscar pick. We did one see Killers of the Flower Moon and she was a big fan. She's a De Niro fan. She she absolutely is. Yeah, okay. she's a big De Niro fan, big uh big Scorsese fan. So she was De Niro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, those are both good Pittsburgh names. All right, listen, let this be the start, the tip of the iceberg, uh, or whatever the opposite iceberg is, because this isn't cold. This is hot. I love these voice voice messages. We love when you send them to us. We love catching up with you. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do that. Muzzle tub in advance, because I'm sure he's sitting by listening to Spaghetti and Kent Bryan. Chop it up like we used to do in our little cubicles there at the NFL, having some good times with our guy Sully, the big UT Vols fan. Um, you're all getting together here in Southern California for his nuptials. Muzzle tub in advance to him and his lovely bride, another person with whom we worked at the NFL way back when. Keep those voicemails coming. Try and lower the temperature in Pittsburgh. These are not good times, Kent Brown. You know, your presence there has to be 
the start of change, meaningful change. And if you're not going to be playing goal for the Pens, you might have to coordinate the offense going forward for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would love that. I mean, I can't do worse in the first half than what Matt Canada's done. It's just been like, basically, they just take about two and a half quarters off. They get down about seven to 10. And then you rely on the offense to have to try to do something in the last 20 minutes. It's been an odd season. Well, I mean, as I keep saying, a couple things, you know, for, you know, you can spread the word around there. The only way you can get real, real, real bummed out about your favorite football team is if that's the only football team you're paying attention to. Because about 30 of the teams right now, legitimately, in the NFL, kind of unsatisfying. Like if you're a Texans fan, you're like, I think we found the quarterback at least. And then you're the Eagles and you're like, yeah, I think we're doing better. Dolphins, I guess, kind of, sort of. But everybody else is like, hmm, unsatisfying where we are in the standings so far this year. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on those and uh, we'll keep an ear out for voicemails from Kent Brown's mom. Best everybody in the Berg. And let's talk soon, Kent Brown. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure being on. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there he goes, Spaghetti. That was good. You think we should do that again with him? Uh, I loved it. It was uh, great hearing Kent. I'm glad he's coming back to L.A. soon, uh, but he's enjoying his time in Pittsburgh. And for him, I mean, I guess not going to enjoy it if he goes and watches the Pittsburgh hockey team while he's out here. He's not going to enjoy it. What are you doing? He well, he has to start doing what he does in college football, where he has like three teams he could root for, and he's got to start picking a, a couple extra NFL and NHL teams to uh, to be okay. He went to school in Miami, so maybe he'll start being a he's Panthers a bum fan. with that crap. It's funny though. But he's yeah, a Pittsburgh guy. It's his third favorite college football team. <laughs> you know what? Cancel the segment. I'm going to have to think about it. I'm in my emotions. Let's just cut it off here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I forgot to uh, say thanks again. 15-minute NFL pregame show. Gangbusters performance. Thanks to you, the audience. We really appreciate you making that work. And we'll be back on Thursday with our guy, Kevin Hench. I suspect he's going to complain about officiating and other stuff, too. So be on the lookout for that. And then on Friday, the 15-minute NFL pregame show goes live on YouTube and on Twitter at 4 p.m. Eastern. We really appreciate you taking a look at that on both of those platforms. Eddie Spaghetti coming at you on Tuesday with Jen Piacenti, Waiver Wired, me and Sarah Tiana coming at you on Wednesday with Extra Points. Check out all the great stuff on the Extra Points Network. And until a little later in the week, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>